Hello, welcome to Reenmax Discord. For the next few recordings, we are going to appreciate some games that I think are underappreciated, forgotten, or just never talked about. Or maybe they're just on the tinge of cringe. Considering that I am new to PC gaming in general, and just for and reviewing games in general, I need you, my audience, to help me find games that you feel need some love for these next few recordings. <laughs> As always, enjoy the episodes and leave me some feedback on Spotify and my Instagram. I'm always happy to talk with anyone if you just want to chat. But thank you for watching, and hopefully you enjoyed this episode. We are going to be reviewing Control, my so far favorite game of, uh, well, for really story. So basically, as basic as I can go and explain the story, Jesse Faton all of a sudden enters the Federal Bureau of Control. And the Federal Bureau, Bureau of Control kind of it investigates the supernatural sort of uh, dealings with the world and also like different realities kind of de- deals with that. So Jesse Faden just goes up into that. Um, you kind of see from the start that she kind of has some telekinesis. She becomes a new director of uh, the Federal Bureau of Control because Trench, who was the previous director of the department, is dead. Um, you just... He's dead. So, now you are the new director. And now you have to figure out why there's a bunch of floating bodies everywhere. Which pretty much people um, already who are working within the Bureau says it's the Hiss. So now you need to figure out what the Hiss is. While also dealing with the fact that you're also looking for your baby brother who you haven't seen in 17 years. Because you dealt with the alternate world event, which alternate world event has to deal with different, um, with the catastrophe that had to deal with bending reality and stuff like that. And with your telekinesis, you also have this kind of, this person named, uh, Polaris, um, I think if I'm pronouncing her name right, it's Polaris, something like that, um, Polaris. Maybe Polaris. Mm Mm-hmm. And basically, um... You're, um, Jesse Faton talks with her throughout the entire, um, game, kind of like, um, kind of like she is, like, a guardian in a sense, but she never truly speaks. She's more of the person who's kind of just like, okay, if you see those little tiny, like, uh, if you see those tiny spirals of mirrors sort of things, it's pretty much Polaris, kind of like, Polaris, um, guiding you in, uh, the right direction. And you start to learn more about your, um, power, um, like, well, not really powers, um, but more of your abilities and why you're here and why um, um, Polaris brought you to this place in the first place. And the way they, and I gotta say, from the way I've played it, it's really good. It's awesome! Like, the gameplay, the graphics, and everything like that. But why, um, but really, if we're looking at the amount of people who play it, and based on YouTube, not really a lot of views coming from maybe uh, playthroughs and stuff like that. Why is this game underrated compared to any um, some of the more popular story games? Um, and I guess like from y'all's review of uh, from our guests, um, Jane's and Nevermore, um, based, I, I I'd say y'all say that the gameplay was kind of good, right? It definitely looked interesting, like yeah, for a fact. 
I'm not, yeah, as you know, I'm not a huge story game, like, campaign player, but there were aspects of it that looked really good. Um, like, the graphics were, like, phenomenal, so. Yeah, it, like, the gra the graphics was pretty, oh, I, like, they were awesome. The transitions between the um, actual in-game dialogue versus um, the cinematics were pretty good. The way that, uh, but the unique thing that I love about this game is that they also take real life, um, um, real life recordings and put them within the game, and it doesn't even seem like it's really out of place. Yeah, like the way that the one cutscene that I did see how it was overlaid, and I asked, like, "Hey, is that live action?" It's integrated very well. It's kind of like, I mean, yeah, I guess that is like overlaid. It's meshed. Like together very well. Mm -hmm. Um, the basically, uh, the actor who voices Jesse Phaeton looks exactly like Jesse Phaeton. Her name is a uh, Courtney Hope, and she's um she's not really, as far as I know, she's not really known for voice acting for video games and stuff. She actually is from Young and the Restless, I think, which is one, which is a very if you don't know what Young and the Restless is, it's a it's a it's a soap opera that has been running for such a long time. Um, pretty much like an adult so soap opera that has been running for like for years. And um, she uh, she's still on there. It's either Young and the Restless or Bold and the Beautiful. But both of those have pretty much have been running for like a pretty long, a long amount of time. A pretty long time span. Um so it was pro it, it was nice to kind of see like oh wait like a person coming from a, a long running soap opera into now voice acting and she pretty much did good like the scene like it was kind of like just like her acting and voice acting it was like there wasn't really a, uh, much difference it seemed like she fit the um fit it like really well and then at the same time um because i mean to be honest, like, uh, if you look at other demonstrations like Mortal Kombat, where they kind of take, like, a person who has been a wrestler and then put them in, uh, um, voice acting, uh, that, that's not seamless. <laughs> it's two different professions, but I could see what they were going from when it comes to, like, the experience of fighting and stuff like that, because I think, um, the, the ex example I'm trying to pretty much grab for is uh, this voice actor who is vo vo voicing Sonya because she just seemed like a lifeless void. I think is, that's her name. Sonya, one of the other characters, because Twitch is the only one that's actually played through this game. We're just we're hearing about it with unbiased opinions to try and make a assumption. Sonya is, so is huh? Who is Sonya? Sonya is not. Uh, I'm talking about Sonya as in, like, a character from Mortal Kombat 11. She is... There's this other character named Cassie. And she's pretty much... Uh, without getting so much into explaining a, another whole story's... Uh, um, like... It, without explaining an entire other video game's, like, story. Pretty much it's, like, Cassie's mother. And she has a military... Uh, background and stuff like that and pretty much it's her job and Cassie's job and her father's Cassie's father's job to go and um protect earth in a way mm -hmm. earth realm is what it's called because there's different realms um but yeah pretty much her voice actor this time didn't really seem like 
she seemed like a lifeless void as in like she was just having a casual conversation when like in in a video game it's like when it comes to dialogue it's like you if you're pulling one-liners like in a, a fighting and stuff like that in fighting games it's like you have to exaggerate it a bit right like for example scorpion when he says when he says get over here it's not like he just like it's a very loud voice line. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of power behind, um... Yeah, a lot of power behind the words. Yeah, and if you... And for other one, And even if you're... And for a lot of the voice lines, if they're, like, roasting people, it's like Sonya's just, like, barely puts, like, some drive into it, whereas, like, this other person pretty much is, like... They sound like they are frustrated, angry, and want to roast this person to the ground and just, like, bust their head open. Which is pretty much what you're doing in in uh, Mortal Kombat. So it's kind of just like, uh, I would expect the energy coming out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. Because it's kind of like how professional wrestling is. It's the presentation, the build-up to the actual act is just as important as the act itself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of like what flaw um they kind of had. But anyway, I'm already thinking about already having a separate podcast episode for Mortal Kombat 11 itself because it's kind of a Mortal Kombat 11 kind of distinguished itself a little bit. Um, because first of all, um, graphics up um the graphics update is really profound, especially if you um compare it to uh Mortal um Mortal Kombat X um. They, there is a pretty good upgrade, and then at the same time, the story kind of takes a turn, um, interesting ways. But coming back to going back to uh, control, um, the story premise it's really it's really good, and in my opinion, and I I think like uh, um. How how interested were y'all in the story so far? I guess, like, from the preview that y'all got from uh, the first few uh, minutes of the game, from what y'all saw. James, why don't you go first? Because I'm a little bit... I'm... I'm my opinion is... It's harder to win over my opinion when it comes to campaigns. Alright, so I'm going to combine both my little knowledge of the trailer, but then also what I saw. So first things first, um, definitely it gives me a SCP kind of vibe. Now, I'm not saying that they're taking that, but it does remind me of that. It does hearken to that a little bit, I feel like. The trailer mm-hmm. itself is why I own the game, and that's actually why I bought it and stuff. I need to play it at some point. And the trailer alone is what drew me in, because it looked interesting. The combat, uh, the interactivity like within the world. like Any game that allows you to just... Um, I'm not remembering the word for it, but it's like kinetically just like pick up something with your mind and then fling it at something with the speed to kill it. It's like, that's a really cool concept. And then being able to incorporate that into the game properly is definitely difficult. But from the trailer, I had seen, okay, you pick up item, you throw it at the person, it works. Beyond that, the story, it looked very like, messy with the mind it just looked really interesting and cool uh going back to the gameplay though from what i saw looked pretty solid third person like kind of regeneration cover shooter it as a premise looks pretty cool the story eh, i didn't get too much of it 
probably like when I sit down and actually play myself, then I'll actually soak in more of it. Yeah. But... Yeah, I. So now I'm going to be the harsh critic here. Based on what you've described to me, which is all I have to judge it off of, right? Mm-hmm. It feels like I think the game kind of, I think like the, the graphics are really good, all of that stuff. I think it kind of rides the wave of that and the story. Well, it's probably an interactive and interesting story. It kind of is taking a couple of very common plot themes, right? And just running with them and then putting really good gameplay into it. So, like, for example, as a game, it's fun because it's especially if, like, you're into gaming and you like to see, like, really good graphics and that kind of stuff interests you. But from a story, like a, a, a storytelling level... The like the the plot theme of oh they have a family member they're trying to get to and therefore they have like an an alternate reason for signing up for this organization and that kind of thing. There's just a there's a couple of different plot tools that they have that are very commonly used. So as a TV show, I would be like mm, probably not my favorite. You know, like like seems a little bit overdone. But as a video game, they can kind of ride the wave of hey, like the the actual game coding and how it's played is really good, which makes it a good game. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what it looks like to me, which is my issue with most campaign games is they tend to follow a very basic literary, uh, like almost like some tropes that are just, you know, I wish it was not quite so overdone. You yeah, know, but then again, these days everything has been done. There's no such thing as originality. Every story has been told. So, I think the way uh, when it comes to, I can see the trope that you're talking about, but the way, oh, I'm not. This kind of goes into graphics, but the way they kind of explain the story in a way, it's kind of like yeah. it turns the dial up a bit more because it's not just like. Gotcha. It's not like it's giving the story to you in, like, a traditional way. Because if you saw any of the, like, weird trippy images and stuff like that, it's kind of like... It it gives you the feeling of something intruding your mind that's not really supposed to be there. And also, like, uh, really, the theme that I think they're trying to drive in, which is what you see probably really around the end, it's a little bit of a spoiler, but I mean, honestly... Um, it doesn't really ruin the game for what it is. It's really just like uh, it kind of drives in the theme of conforming versus not conforming mm-hmm. in a way, like conforming to like the standard, the average, and not conforming to the like average. So it's kind of just like uh, the way they kind of like showcase that a bit and kind of imply it is like really cool in, um, in a way, especially since like mm-hmm. you know people are kind of. Well, I wouldn't say they're acting like machines, but it's more of just, like, the average office worker, like, going and just, like, mm-hmm. doing this, doing the same routine for days and days and days, and there's no really fulfillment, and it becomes numb to the, um, and with that work, it's like you become numb to the point to, like, to the point where you don't know whether this is really boring or, like, really fun, and you, and you just start to forget, like, why am I here? <laughs> it's kind of like what it drives it drives into, and the way they dis- display that is, I feel like really, um, really cool. Especially as she goes and um, looks for a uh, looks for like creepy brother, in a way, mm-hmm. 
because I mean this it also is more interesting because it, it's not like it's not like a child is looking for their little brother in a way you're talking about a grown adult looking for another adult kind of who still is like a relative so I feel like that premise too is a little bit um well not a little bit it's like it's very interesting because a lot of the times that trope is seen with um kids kids in games in story games mm. um with this one it's like the last time you saw your brother was like 17 years ago and now that it's 17 years later um, you've been, like, looking for years or something for your brother and stuff, and you finally got, like, brought to this place. So, it's, you're, it's also, like, a mystery, like, an investigation sort of thing. But at the same time, like Nevermore was saying, it, it is pretty, it, it is basically kind of like, um, SCP. It, it, now that he says it, it is kind of like SCP. SCP, except it deals more with objects rather than creatures. Mm -hmm. And that's also okay. I, I do want to re-emphasize that that's okay to draw inspiration or take oh, yeah. from sources of media and, you know, expand upon it and make it your own. There's nothing wrong with mm -hmm. that. Yeah, no, it's... It, like I said, there's, there's this thing, so where I kind of come more from besides just gaming is, like, I am a massive literature buff. Um, it's like all the classes I chose to take and that kind of thing. And there's this idea that there's there's only like um there's a there's a limited amount of actual plots in the world. There's a limited amount of story plots. And we've used all of them and it's a very small amount. It's only like 30. So to try like when I it's it, sometimes it's harsh for me to be like, "Oh, well the story looks like it's been done before." Of course it has. What's different, and I think Twitchy touched on a little bit, is it's the same story on a different canvas, right? It's like you could ask 20 people to paint a tree, and all of those things, all of those paintings would look different because they're all done by different people on a different canvas, you know? So I think that based on what I've seen, while the story looks like it's been done many times before, the canvas that it's being done on and the way that it's being done looks different. It, it's not a, uh, like it doesn't have normal video game graphics. Mm-hmm. Uh, like back to gameplay, the, when you're playing, uh, when you're controlling Jesse Faden, the, within the first, within your first runs of the game it's you feel you feel a bit floaty but once you unlock more move sets like like in the trailer you are eventually supposed to be able to uh levitate and stuff like that you are um you get a dash which i forgot to like you get a dodge dodge type of dash. You get like a shield that you can go and put your, put around yourself, and you can also like throw different objects, um, like depending on if they can uh, be picked up or not. Um, um, it makes sense that it's floaty because I mean you get to levitate eventually, so it kind of like, um, but also the game doesn't make it so that it's very um. 
they make it a smooth uh, a smooth transition and it makes it feel like you're still in control a lot of uh, third person games there are hmm? <laughs> um a lot of the third person games they are more linear um, as in the characters are um, the characters within the game in your viewpoint, they can only really move. They are constricted in the way that um, they can really be moved around in your camera. Whereas it, when you're controlling controlling Jesse Fade in control, um, you feel more loose and you can see it that she's not really locked on screen for some things. It's kind of like they kind of let her off camera for um, like they'll kind of let her off um off of the screen for a bit so that like she can catch up when she's like uh sprinting and stuff she feels more loose and i really like that aspect of the game so that um because a lot of third person like um games right now they don't really keep their characters loose um they keep them more rigid and um uh more contained with oh which i mean kind of containment and being free kind of also has to deal with this game like the idea of being loose from um control <laughs> so one thing i keep thinking of is are you familiar at all with the game deathloop deathloop yes yeah i've heard of it it looks pretty cool so basically there there are some cross themes um which this is all just for comparison's sake that very different games but you have um you know like um kinetic build i really don't know what to call that but i guess like kinetic abilities where you move things around and or yourself around like a telekinesis or a teleport or objects or people and i will say um so far it like i kind of like was thinking of that while watching you play the sense of games have this is kind of delving into a problem with games that I have, is that they kind of have one and two things. They have story, or they have gameplay. Now, of course, some games will have neither, but story <laughs> or gameplay. And if they have both, it either is a hindrance of both, or one of them will fall in order to compensate the other. If you have a game where, like, say, Telltale's The Walking Dead, where you are making decisions and basically watching it play out, that is at the cost of gameplay, but at the um, expenditure of storytelling. So that is one thing that I'm kind of seeing and kind of am wondering about Control, because the gameplay looks really fun, and from how you're describing it that I've seen, the story also looks very interesting as well. So I'm wondering if that like control will at all like, change my opinions on like how I approach games, which that's like a huge thing to get into, but I am curious about that. Mm-hmm. I think that um I feel like with this game, um, the gameplay and the story go hand in hand. Whereas like let's say if you take this is the um Whereas maybe for a game like Mortal Kombat, um, the gameplay and the story are treated more separately. Because with Control, they mainly want to have a seamless uh, um, transition between cinematic and uh, um, maybe if you were like running or if you just went into a battle. Whereas for Mortal Kombat, yes, they kind of do that, but you can see the difference. Like... um. 
in Mortal Kombat 11, when you're looking at the graphics and how your computer basically, like, treats the movements and the attacks that you're doing, it looks a lot more fluid um, with the attacks compared to if you look at the campaign. The campaign um, and the story mode looks more... The, the characters look more... Uh, they look more constricted in a way. They're not as... Um, the animation doesn't look as fluid compared to uh, in the uh, gameplay that you're actually playing in. That's probably because of um, the way the camera kind of is, or maybe uh, it depends on how they animated this stuff. But yeah. Also, um, I kind of just brought up Deathloop and then went off to a different topic. But the main reason I brought that up is because it's another game that kind of suffers from it. It has really good gameplay, really good. But you don't play Deathloop for the story because it doesn't really have any, um, any like lore. Is like it's all hidden in items, which is like you're either gonna find them or you're not, or you can look up a walk to find them. But like the story itself is not at all like really expanded upon or like cared for as much as it should have been. So that's more so why I brought that up. Whereas Control seems to have a healthy balance that I've kind of been looking for in games and I just haven't been able to find it and maybe that's because I've grown like as a consumer where I would like to have story and gameplay instead of just primarily gameplay but I don't know kind of like hopefully hopefully it provides I think like for some games too they also choose gameplay over story like um uh, Risk of Rain, I feel like they chose gameplay over story, because they just threw, like, most of the story into just item descriptions. Risk uh, of Rain has a story? Uh, uh yeah, they ha- <laughs> Risk of Rain has a very, very fleshed-out story, but you have to look for it. Yeah, you have to look for it. It's not like they really, uh... I wish they kind of implied the stuff a bit more, instead of just waiting till you get to the, uh, to the boss to, like, go ahead and find it. Yeah. But, well, at uh, this point, you're describing Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> I I will say, actually, going off of that, it's funny that you say Risk of Rain has story. I think that games generally tend to go on one of two sides, one of which is they're very accessible to the average player because you don't need a ton of lore to understand them. And the other one is they add so much lore that to really get the full value out of the game, you must understand the lore. And some people just aren't into that. You know what I mean? Some people aren't into looking for and finding the lore of games, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like I, like he was saying, you know, I think there is like an aspect of this game where it looks like a pretty even mix, where like the story gives you all the lore. You don't have to be like some, you know, like a like, uh, YouTuber who looks up and finds all the lore of things. You You get all the lore from the story, but searching from for lore isn't the entire game yeah like if you would like added information on who is this person who is this enemy how are they created why do they act the way they do i like that incorporation um but yeah definitely i feel like i think what this um what made this game kind of more hidden in a way is because probably because of it's not it's one of those it's kind of an indie developer, but not really, um, who, like, made this game. They also had a game called Alan, um, not Alan, Alan Walker, but it's something. Alan Wake? Uh, Alan Wake, yeah. That was, um, th- 
that one was really good um when it was like made it was like um it was like known and stuff like that just like um his kid dies i'm not really sure i never played it but i know they're making it alan wake too no i'm i think i'm thinking of heavy rain that's what the game's called i think the um company that made this game is is named remedy and they were i i i think they're pretty much small i think that's why like uh for some games it's like you don't really like hear about them like a lot is because uh i think that's the reason why control is kind of a bit underrated by like um a lot of people and stuff or not really heard about from a lot of people or maybe not really as remembered is because like the the um it's not like they really had a huge production sort of thing. Um, I couldn't or, tell you a time I saw it advertised. You could, you couldn't tell I, me a time. Yeah, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 I wouldn't even have like I've never heard of it. Like I, it was on my Steam wish list, but that's because the algorithm was like, "Hey, you'll like this game," and go figure. Wait, are you talking about controller Alan Wake? Control. Oh, okay. I thought we were still talking about Alan Wake, and I was like, clearly, I've heard of Control, considering I'm in this podcast. Um, but the yeah the only i hadn't heard about it until you mentioned it actually. Oh, okay I say that i had never heard of the game until you were like hey this is what we're covering but that's i feel like kind of why i add to things is because i come to everything with a new perspective of not ever hearing of them <laughs> <laughs> i think also um <laughs> I, I had the stupid dude perspective <laughs> i i also like the only way I heard of this game at first, initially, was because uh, there was an IGN uh, teaser um, for it. Oh. Okay. And I didn't hear about it um, anymore. I was kind of just like, oh, that's I- I- I'd love to play this game, but then I never really heard about it anymore. But that also plays a part because I think around that time I also didn't have, like, a PC. But then, like, all of a sudden I kind of was just like, hey, like, I... I think I, like, found it one day, and then I was just like, wait, I remember this game. Isn't this the game where, like, I can literally throw object anywhere I want to? <laughs> so then I was like, I purchased it, I downloaded it, and, um, yeah, I was just like... It came out in 2019, supposedly, yeah. and I think that we can infer... Yeah, August 27, 2019. We can kind of infer that worldly events probably also interrupted... Um, and kind of like took over media in the sense of drowning it out. Yeah, true, because 2019 yeah. was the start. No, was it? 2020. That's an interesting thing, though. This is one of the last games to come out and not at all be affected by COVID. True! Like, you got the a point. The creator of the game yeah, August was not at all like... Yeah. Like, of I course, can't they think had of their own, own like crunch time and game development, but it wasn't um like that although apparently ultimate edition came out august 27th 2020 mm, so maybe they added some aspects yeah the maybe some of the did some of the dlcs twitch you have or have you played the dlcs i haven't played the dlcs but i do know they're basically story expansions mm. There's as been- long as it's not the way that wolfenstein handled it i'll be happy <laughs> like uh I- i'm interested in like buying them and stuff like that um but yeah, I think. Do you have the ultimate edition? No, I don't because I think like uh, when I got this game, it wasn't on discount or something like that. But 
I, I don't think I could afford it, but uh, when I had initially got the game, I think it was on a discount, but I just couldn't afford the uh, um, the Ultimate Edition at the time, so I just got the initial game. Um, because, yeah, honestly, right I did... now it's $40. Yeah, but I feel like it's worth it. Um, I feel like this game is kind of, it's not close. I feel like it, I want to compare it to how, um, No Man's Sky got popular in a way, but not really. Because No Man's Sky, the reason why it got popular was because it promised a lot of things. It didn't match it, but then they, um, but then the team stuck to it and they eventually reached the goal that they wanted to. Um, Mm -hmm. Control pretty much, I never really heard any, like, I never have even saw, like, an interview, like, sort of thing. For like control, and I've only saw like the teaser trailer. So pretty much, it's like they met the marks. The only thing is, I think it was just because like, you know, like you were saying, they kind of released it in this weird time, in this weird year. Like even though it wasn't like, it wasn't like um affected by COVID or something. It was just like a weird year. Um, maybe that's why. And then also at the same time, like it is a small company, so it's not like you. Um, it's not like. Epic Games themselves are releasing this sort of game. It's like, okay, this we this company is using Epic Games products in order to make this game, but we're also an indie company. Mm -hmm. Huh. So they made, if I'm correct, they made Alan Wake, Uh Quantum Break. And Max Payne. Okay. Have you heard of the a Max Payne? What? Oh wait, actually, hold on. Okay. This looks like these are the old Max Payne. All right. Yeah, two thousand one. Mm-hmm. So Max Payne is an old series, but it was like it was a good well. As far as I understand, it was a very good series. Like it's in that early um uh like when Half Life East, um nineteen ninety eight, Half Life, all right, that shook the entire game biosphere of sorts. Everybody wanted to put storytelling, everybody wanted to put story elements into their games. Cutscenes, it like Half Life did a lot for the market that some people would say was bad and others would say is good. But either way, it undeniably transformed the market. So, if I'm understanding this correctly, they debuted with Max Payne, and then Alan Wake came out in 2012, and then I know Quantum Break was a hit. That, for a fact, I know. I never played it, but I know that it exploded. Wait, did they also make Sunset Overdrive? No, they did not. Okay, um... But yeah, like, really, um, I think a good word for this would be niche. Niche games that may not be as well known, but for those who are in the know, it's like game of the year quality. Yeah. It's kind of like they are, they're kind of like that um company where like they're kind of in the shadows, but you can kind of like rely on them to at least give you a, a pretty good game to go and like play. I feel like that's kind of what they are at this point yeah because judging from it uh they release a game about every four years or so 
Alan Wake came out in 2012. Quantum Break was 2016. Control was 2020. They're also planning to. They're also planning to make a. Uh, what's it called? A multiplayer kind of uh, control sequel. Ooh. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I was just like, that seems like a, a pretty cool pre- premise. Like, well, because I was gonna say, I would be interested in playing a first-person shooter with, like, based on just the, like, the uh, mechanics you were showing earlier. I like their aim, like their aim mechanic and that kind of thing. I would totally play a first-person shooter with those same mechanics i'm not sure if it's going i don't think it would be first person but what they'll probably do is that they'll take the same gameplay aspects and oh yeah maybe they'll edit it a bit i wouldn't be surprised if they did and just made it better um um and then they Mm -hmm. kind of changed the graphics because 29 um some of the stuff um the graphics have kind of improved compared to like uh, 2019 so i mean it does look slightly outdated, but I will hold by my argument that we are kind of hitting like a peak in terms of graphics quality. Yeah, I do believe that. Uh, like, I would put Control or uh, Modern Warfare 2019 or Elden Ring. I would put all of these in the same platform, where yeah, it's different art and design choices, and they're all really good. But we're kind of hitting like what feels like upper limit of how literally good you can make the game look and now it's like okay we have the technology how do you want to express yourself yeah what art direction do you want to take um a lot of indie devs will use a lot of you know bright flashy colors or dark and gloomy ones depending on the setting um and that kind of and it can be more simplified meanwhile you have dark souls or elden ring where it's big worlds that like make you feel small and that's their art direction or you take Doom Eternal, where it's, again, you feel small, but you also know that you literally have the capacity to be... The, you are the boss. You yeah. Know? So it's all, like, art direction, I feel, at this point. So even if they don't update the graphics at all, I still feel like it can be a good game. Now, will IGN disagree and probably still give it a 2 out of 5? Probably. But, oh well. You know, IGN IGN at this point is pretty much just, like, they're being pretty stupid, because number one, like, uh, um, I looked at this YouTuber. They basically like showed this tweet, um, about like how much they were pay uh, how- about this job posting on like how much they were offering to go and like pay people for like, oh, if you like wrote like a specific article, like how much we would pay you per article, and they pretty much like paid low for like. Uh, it's just horrendous. I think it might be like $20 or some. Yeah. It's pretty low. And that might be for multiple articles too. So the time and the, the see, here's the problem with the game journalists. Um, Assuming that they're not just automatically having bad opinions, they have to set aside time to play the game, which games I would say at an average are going to 20 hours minimum. Okay. I don't think any game journalists could physically live. They would be, they they wouldn't be able to survive if they played the entire game and then wrote a review that's like three paragraphs long on IGN that probably nobody's gonna read. You mm-hmm. know, like the time investment. Not to mention the fact that you would then have to write this article, proofread it, and that it's. I mean, that itself is gonna take probably at least 
four hours, I would say, to write that and make sure that it's ready to go and that you're not going to like make an embarrassment of yourself online. So it's like, uh, that's that's probably a rough market to get into. Yeah. So then, like, it, it like the way the way that they're paying is horrendous. And then at the same time, um, uh, it's like for a lot of like really content anyway. It's like they're being lazy on how they rate their stuff. Like, have you seen how many ratings they have just given like games or movies? Just like a seven. I mean, it's a meme, basically. Yeah, that's a point. Better- you're better off looking at the consumer reviews rather than the um, the journalist reviews. Because, like, well, not only do you have a smaller pool, so you're going to have, like, a smaller statistical value to go off of. Like, for instance, I would rather trust 30,000 Steam reviews that are all just random people who bought the game and played it for um, probably at minimum two hours rather than a collection of, like, five journalist reviews who are probably going to come off as all high high and mighty and all-knowing but realistically it's just it's not enough you know like i'm going to trust the thirty thousand over the five it's kind of like with uh with some movies how like um movie critics will say that it's like bad but then actually it just um, like the audience like um really likes it i what was that Venom was like that, yeah, where critics were just like, oh, this thing is, like, kind of garbage, and then, well, kind of, like, they gave it a C, and then, like, a lot of people actually liked Venom, but we're not gonna talk about- I only saw Venom, too. I- I I didn't even see the first one. I personally don't- I haven't watched Venom 2, honestly, but I think they- I think they made Venom more childish. As a person who didn't see the first movie, I walked out of the theater saying, "Yeah, I could tell it was a sequel." <laughs> I could tell. I, I didn't. I did not enjoy the movie. It's just I could tell. Yeah, yeah. It's it was a sequel. Yeah. It, I mean, I don't know, but that's like a whole different category. You go to a superhero or supervillain movie to see that kind of content, uh, which is why I do not do that. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, just control is just, I don't know, like, I just when it comes to, like, story games, even though I haven't, like, I know I don't have the most expansive library when it comes to uh, story games, but, like, this is, like, one of the, the only games so far that I've seen that really just is, that I've just, like, fallen in love with, like, how, how well-rounded it looks like it really is, and also, like, how... It gives you a detective role, but it's not like they make it challenging, but it's not like it's too challenging. You can still understand the stuff. It's not like it, it and it's also not like they threw their story off to the side, kind of like with Risk of Rain, where you technically are a detective in that in that game when it comes to trying to figure out the story. But you can clearly see they pushed it off to a certain side to go and focus on like gameplay and stuff, uh, things which honestly, like, um. Uh, we can go into that, like, for, like, another episode, and, like, I'd say it's, like, it's pretty fine, but, like, I mean, when it comes to that game, it, it was, like, I was interested, but it's, like, they didn't supply, so it was kind of just, like, eh, so. But just with this game, like, the way the the images, like, not not really the graphics that I'm talking about right now, but, like, the, like, the kind of, like, the, um, uh, the trippiness of it at some points that kind of makes you like on edge and a little eerie um 
feeling. It's like, oh, I love it so much. There was a similar game, and I believe it was called Medium. And I don't play horror games, so I will not be playing it. But I will be watching it with great interest. And uh, no, it's called The Medium. Uh, it came out January of 2021. And it is it has that sense of eeriness. I like that where I was watching the trailer and I was like, okay, probably wouldn't play it myself. But the lore of it, the story of it, the trippiness, the freaky factor of it, the messing with the mind, I like that. It's um, it's not an untapped market, but I feel like it's not capitalized on as much as it could be, uh, excluding the evil within that definitely well execute both games, definitely well executed on that market, um, in that like style of storytelling. But I would like to see more. Yeah. So I guess like basically to round this all off, um, based on what you've saw. A little bit of gameplay from what I played earlier, and um, just for y'all, and um, at the beginning of the game, and basically, what is it? Uh, the synopsis I gave you of the story, like pretty much like a brief summary of it. Like, what would you, what rating would you give the game? Pretty much from a yeah. one out of ten. One. I think I'm gonna give it an ulcerated tree spirit out of a Moog, the blood god. <laughs> Or we can just use the classic from lizard to dinosaur. <laughs> how would you? To dinosaur. How would you rate okay. it? <laughs> and is this like a scale of like which one could definitely eat me the fastest? Which one could be the fat? What? <laughs> like which one could just flat out eat me the fastest? Uh, no, just kind of just like okay, based on like I guess how a bi a bigger means like it's a uh. uh a good game, uh, small is means that really bad. acceptable answer? Is what? Is cable? Camel? Kale? Camel. Camel! Oh! Well, we'll just accept that, honestly. Camel works. Okay, but with three humps. With the, Yeah, that works. <laughs> camel okay. with three humps. Oh, uh, Jansy, what's your rating? Um, you know, I... <clears throat> It's hard for me to give a rating yeah. because I know that I'm biased. I think the best rating I can give it is the would I play it or not. And the answer is I would watch it. Okay. I would watch it streamed. I would watch a watch through in the background, that kind of thing. I would watch a YouTube video. Honestly, I would watch a synopsis, synopsis video. Okay. But I don't think I'd play it. Yeah. Because I just... It doesn't have some of the aspects I really look for. Mm -hmm. um, being, you know, I most of the games that I play are fairly competitive. Yeah, they're more competitive, like oriented, if that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, I play anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the games that I play that aren't that way, I generally, they're generally very much like playing a movie. For example, one of my favorite campaigns of all time is. Um, what's it called? The Star Wars, the uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Mm -hmm. Right, love that game. Really, that game is that game is all story. It feels like it feels like it's all story. However, I like that game because I'm invested in that story. So for me, earlier I was talking about 
there's two kinds of campaign games. There's the ones that are just super duper lore involved, and then there's the ones that you can play and not know a thing about it. I, for me, it has to be basically like playing a movie. And this, like, to their credit, it's very interactive. But for me, that almost makes it less good because I feel like I'm just doing nothing for zero reason. You know what I mean? It's an odd, it's an odd, it's an odd way to look at, of looking at it where I would actually say it's probably a really good game for the reasons I don't like it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, that's a better, that's a better summary. So it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't get the Jancy would play it stamp, but it does get the, I'd watch I would it. watch lower videos on it. And that, cause I would want to know the story. You would dedicate probably two hours of your life learning on the lore and then explaining it to someone. Yes. Yes. I would learn. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I would basically watch for the story cause I want to know what happens. That's my thing. I want to know what happens. But I just don't appreciate those same campaign things that other people do. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it's just not worth the hours of gameplay that it would take to get through the whole thing. You know? Mm-hmm. And like I've I've played other games that are very like like for example, a buddy and I just went through um what's it called? Far Cry five, right? And but I didn't go through the whole thing. I basically waited for him to get everything that was good, and then we trolled and went along and like, like we just did it that way because that's I enjoy that. I enjoy the like I'm with friends part of it, but it wasn't worth my time to go through the entire thing. You know, I knew the story because I had watched videos on the game. I watch videos on a lot of games that come out. Control is now one that I will go and watch like a full synopsis of. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I'd play it. Yeah, it makes sense. Because there's like a lot of Jacksepticeye one. Um, there's a lot of indie games that Jacksepticeye or Markiplier may like look into and just be like, huh, this is a nice game. But none of them I've ever really looked at and just be like, I'm definitely going to go and like buy it. It's more of just like the ones where like out of random I find. Or like ones that I've looked at E3 and I'm interested at. I'm just like, oh, heck yeah. Because like, for example, I think like horizon for horizon something it's like where like the all the animals or something there's like horizon are. zero dawn oh, excuse me there's yeah horizon zero dawn and then there's horizon forbidden west which is the sequel that i think came out a couple months yeah. ago yeah that I'm, game actually looks good yeah i'm game, interested in that, that game looks really cool i would watch lore on that when am i gonna play it i don't know because i know it's an open yeah. world game and elden ring as it is has taken up 90 hours of my time and i'm kind of like hinged up on that yeah honestly it's like a discussion for another day like because you know you brought up like two different types of story games where they're either lore intensive or you can just play the game and get it i brought up the argument that some games either focus on story or they're heavily gameplay there's a Mm -hmm. whole other argument that can be made about just like what the game is as a whole that can make it either a i'm going to watch this on youtube or i'm going to play this for myself because there's a difference between getting highlights and then actually playing it because you may invest like what what is witcher i think to complete witcher you need to play like to fully complete it is like a hundred yeah. hours worth i would probably yeah i would probably rather watch a um, now i might play a little bit of it but i would probably be better off watching someone play it and watch the highlights of it and get enjoyment out of that especially if they're a good entertainer and then oh, yeah. that adds up into a whole other argument where the yeah. the game market is a lot of things are promoted 
through YouTube. That is a good advertising yeah. platform. A game for games. makes it. Yeah, if a, a a mildly okay game will make the creator a metric crap ton of money if for Markiplier free, free plays advertising. It. Yeah, if 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 Markiplier plays it or Jacksepticeye plays it, like literally, I I I legitimately think that a lot of games that have been put out that were really trashy that as a joke Markiplier has played. Those Power people are probably simulator. really rich. Yeah, those people are probably really rich now because all those people watched that and went, oh, that's fun. And the reality is those games probably aren't all that fun. He's fun. You know what I mean? That is but the thing. Also, also, I will say this based on what you were saying. Um, the idea of like there's some games I would watch and there's some games I would play. There are other games like Elden Ring. What I now, granted, I'm not playing that, but what I'm seeing and hearing everyone doing is you play it and you watch it, and basically, it's almost like the entire community is playing the same game because everyone's learned. There's so many things in that game that everyone is learning and finding different things and sharing it with each other. And so, in order to get everything out of that game, you kind of do have to watch the other people play it. Because there's so much there that you miss out if you like you will you know, miss out. You can yeah. I, I will say you cannot find everything yourself because you will walk past things. You will say, No, I cleared that area. Or you yep. will just walk past a wall that uh oh, that's an illusory wall and you would have never known because you didn't decide to stab it with your sword. Oh my god. Yeah. Whereas there's someone else who for some reason just runs around slamming rocks with their sword and it's like, oh, now I'm God because I hit this one rock and this happened and I found this, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and out popped out a shard of yeah. something. I, yeah, I know I could never play that game because I watch clips of people finding stuff and the places they look for things, I would just never go. Like, you have to, it always makes me laugh because you see people like jump off of cliffs to get to stuff and there happens to be a ledge. Did that person jump off of that cliff because they thought there was a ledge, or did they fall off of that cliff and like accidentally find like this god tier weapon? You know what I mean? So it could be all of them, especially because going back to your community thing, you can write messages in game, you can read them. So it it's all of them, really. Mm -hmm. It's every yeah. possibility that you can think of and more. Yeah, I think that like like on a game like Control, I think that community aspect is probably pretty big. You know, um, not as big as like an, a big open world game, but I think games like this, having people who like find stuff that other people don't find and that kind of thing is a pretty big deal. I feel like once it, once it, once control establishes its multiplayer, I feel like there will be a, a solid community for it right now. There's not really one for it because there's just not, it's like one of those like story games where I think I feel like yes, like you're down to play it, but it's like maybe some people like might forget about it like over a bit because there's not right now there's like not other content that's really like this at at the moment kind of but not really. Um but once they like release like the multiplayer and stuff that kind of goes along with this, I feel like that um um, it will kind of give more of a community aspect to uh, control and what it's offering as a um, as a story. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I think like that. Um, that's all for like uh for this underrated uh 
game review. I think the next one that I pretty much want to do is Spellbreak, because Spellbreak is, uh... I can talk about that one, too. Yes, bruh! It's like, okay, Battle Royales are a completely, like, whole realm of gameplay that a lot of people are annoyed with because Fortnite and stuff like that, but the way Spellbreak makes it and how they kind of put their own spin on it, I feel like is something that is very interesting to talk about, and also how it's pretty much underrated because of the amount of battle royales there are out there now because of Fortnite and um, other uh, other games that are pretty much like trying to get on the train with it. But yeah, thank you for if you tuned in. Tuned in. Thank you for um. Oh, oh my God, my pain. Thank you for listening in, and uh, if you would like to ever come on to these podcasts please make sure to go and try to find my <laughs> my communications and hopefully i have them on there if not um then please make sure to um find me on insta uh, on insta instagram uh but yeah thank you for supporting me and i hope to see you in the next episode